Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 186. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? We have a great episode for you today, but before we get started, I have to take a minute to thank today's sponsor, Audible. With Audible, it is literally possible to have some of the best minds in this industry in your back pocket. The number one recommended book on the show is Danny Meyer's Setting the Table. You can get that book for free. You can have the advice of Danny Meyer in your pocket by simply going to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. That's audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. What are you waiting for? Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests. That's multiple guests, plural. Jeremy Julian, Gary Stockco, and Ryan Williams, a.k.a. The restaurant technology guys, how are you guys feeling today? Tell me you're unstoppable. <laughs> we are unstoppable. Thanks for having us on, Eric. Unstoppable. After yes. a Red Bulls, we'll be ready to roll. <laughs> All right. Um, so I have these gentlemen on the show today. We have a great topic today. We're going to be discussing uh, what we can do um, to prepare ourselves for the, the minimum wage jack that we're about to get hit with in the upcoming uh, I don't know, is it a year or two? I think I saw something in like 2021 was when they're hoping to implement this when I was doing my research. What did you guys hear? It depends on where you're at. In L.A., it's 2017. In Seattle, it's, I think, already taken effect in certain parts in San yeah. Francisco as well. So depending upon where you are, but they're definitely nationwide looking to try and get that uh, get that increase somewhere around 2021. 2021 somewhere around there so it's 2015 we're giving you guys plenty of time to start looking at your systems your operations and to see where we can make little uh changes here and there to prepare for this uh eminent uh change in our the restaurant industry so tell us a little bit more about you before we get started i guess starting with uh jeremy uh just go through your role so everyone know at home knows who we're talking to and so they know that we are talking to some authorities here who can really help us uh with planning for the future wonderful uh, thanks eric uh so jeremy julian uh vp of professional services at custom business solutions and also one of the restaurant technology guys for the last four plus years where we bring you know relevant technology content to the restaurant industry and custom business solutions is a full service reseller of uh technology to the restaurant space so anything from point of sale to different above store technologies recipe distribution um, and we most recently have been involved in a um, uh, tablet-based point-of-sale solution as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And we also have uh, Gary Stotko. Hi. Thanks, Eric. Gary Stotko. I'm the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Custom Business Solutions. The three of us created the Restaurant Technology Guys around a thought leadership standpoint. We sit on the front row of technology within our industry and it seemed like a natural uh, platform for us to exercise our expertise in this space and at the very least give uh, clients, prospects, uh, a consumer reports version of what kind of technology is coming down the pike and where it's going to go with them or without them into the future. And last but not least, old school 
Ryan Williams, and uh, you'll have to listen to their episode to get that that joke. But uh. yeah, so uh, <laughs> thanks, Eric. Yeah, Ryan Williams. Um, like they said, I'm I'm part of the Restaurant Technology Guys team. Um, I guess I kind of host the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. Yes, um, you guys should definitely go check that out. But at CBS, uh, I'm I'm a marketing manager here. All things digital, all things social. So I have my ear and my finger on the pulse of everything that's happening in the restaurant space so I can always deliver uh, the utmost and most relevant um, news and most relevant topics to our listeners and to uh, everyone that's out there in the restaurant world. Awesome. So like I said, we have some authorities. I hope I've sold you on their knowledge. Uh, They're going to give us some great advice. And basically today what we're going to be doing is uh, I I just recently listened to their latest episode. It was aired on the 21st of October. Today's the 27th of October. And uh, they had some great advice. And I kind of just want to reflect on their episode. So if you want to right now, hit pause, head over to iTunes. Uh, You can find the the links in the show notes if you want to listen to their episode first to kind of bring you up to where we are right now in this episode. But you don't, I mean, either way, you'll be fine listening in. But if you would like to, I'll have that option in the show notes for you. And uh, I kind of just wanted to reflect on your episode. So today we're just going to hit seven things you can do in your restaurant to prepare yourself for the wage increases. And one thing you guys mentioned in your show when you're wrapping up and this kind of reminds me of, of Stephen R. Covey's habits, or Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Start with the end in mind. And what I mean by that is uh, prepare now, look into the future, and start planning and making changes in your business today to plan for the, the end in mind. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, any thoughts on that before we dive into the, some of the different things? No, it's a great, great point to start out with because a lot of the things that we're going to point out are really go back to the basics. And, and some of the stuff we're going to point out are opportunities to leverage technology that create multiple revenue streams. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be much more complicated than that. It's just really some good dialogue and some opportunities for things that we may or may not you know, forget time to time as we get heads down into business. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And before we get started, Jeremy, I almost forgot to congratulate you. I heard you uh, have a new addition to the family. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. A little note right here. I want to congratulate you on that. That's awesome. So, all right, let's talk about the first thing you can do to prepare yourself. And in my opinion, uh, listening to your episode, I didn't hear you guys talk much about this, so I wanted to insert it, and that's culture. And you said, if I remember correctly, you said the first thing you need to focus on is people. But I think before that, you really need to establish a culture in your restaurant because we we often look at people or when we're hiring, and we always put the blame on the people we're hiring, trying to find the right people. But are you somebody – I think this is a question we all need to ask ourselves. Are you somebody that – other people want to work for? Are you creating that culture where you're going to keep the good people around? So what are your thoughts on that? I definitely think that that you hit the nail on the head there. I think with a bad culture, it doesn't matter how, how well you hire. If you've got a bad culture, you're going to, those people are going to exit the building pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, I think you need to have a culture that, that does um, allow people to grow, allow people to be themselves, but also um, fit within the confines of what you're trying to do as a business. And so, 
um, I completely agree with you. Bad culture will kill, you know, um, will kill any kind of strategy. And, you know, there's a guy I listen to that talks about culture. Culture trumps strategy every day of the week because you have to have a good culture and the people want to, need to want to be there and want to put their best foot forward for the guest. Yeah, and uh, on the topic of culture as well, one book that always comes up in my podcast is uh, Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And uh, people need to know what they're going to work for, that they're showing up for a higher purpose that contributes to something more than just a paycheck. And I think if, if people know they're a part of something greater, um, that is, if you're doing, if your restaurant's truly something special, and if you're really an integral part of your community, and you your team shows up every day for your community, um, those are just little things you can do from the very beginning, step number one, to really uh, keep those good people on your team. One of the things also, Eric, that you brought up earlier or as an impetus for for um, Restaurants Unstoppable is transparency. And mm-hmm. so if you enter your business with the idea that um, our employees are business partners within the four walls and that together we can go further than we could individually, um, it, you have an opportunity there to really open up dialogue and create that transparency so, the, so there's a greater understanding between what the business needs to do to thrive, and each of our roles within that business to participate and make that happen. Awesome. I love it. So the first thing you can do is just work on that culture. Numbers two and three, I kind of think they go a little bit hand in hand because of people don't really, it, well, I'll just say it, it's systems and processes is number two, and then hiring the right people is number three. And I think that unless you have both of those things together, you really won't have success. And what I mean by that is, we need to create system-dependent restaurants where we can plug people in and they can do a good job. But it's such a high-touch, like, people-to-people industry that if you don't have those right people in the right places, then because uh, it's so service-heavy, you know where I'm going with this, guys? you want to add on to that? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll kind of jump ahead to the number three. You got to hire the right people. Mm-hmm. If you look at the list, you know, we talked, we just finished talking about the culture. Mm-hmm. You've established that culture in your restaurant. Now you need to fill that culture with the people that are going to embrace that. They're going to embrace where, where you envision your restaurant going and that are going to successfully communicate that message to your guests. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then you enable it with systems. Absolutely. You, know, you enable it with systems. It's not, you know, the systems are just there as an enabler. If you don't have the right people, no matter how good the systems are, you you know, you're, that person-to-person, high-touch environment, they're going to fail. Um, you know, and again, I just, I have an example of a restaurant that I was just at that had some of the best technology in the, in the world. And they had a bad person serving me, and I had a bad guest experience because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, that's why, like, you can't have one without the other. They really do go hand in hand. And during your episode, when you guys were talking about this, I think you put um, hiring people in front of systems. But I don't know. I, I, I agree with you that we need both. But I wonder sometimes, what about having the systems in place before you have the people there so the people can have the tools and the resources they need to be successful? Is that an angle you'd consider? Absolutely. With that said, you always have to have a starting point. So in marketing, it's always deliver it, refine it, rinse and repeat. Sadly, with hiring, it's not a science with people. Um, And that being your greatest asset and your greatest opportunity, I think a starting point is always birds of a feather flock together. So find people that are like-minded, 
like enthused, like interests, and at least have that as a starting point with even bad processes. If your intent is to make those processes refined and hum, then super. You're on the right tack. We used this phrase, and I think it was in our episode. If we didn't say it overtly, I know we we talk about it. I talk about it in, in my um, management staff meetings around here is, is people. You have to get the right people. Then you have to put the right process. Then you can then you can enable it with with technology. And so, without the right people, um, it it is the starting point. It is the it is the building blocks of it. I agree with you that you have to have a system to be able to insert them into. Because if you don't have a system to insert them into, it makes it even worse. And so, there is that opportunity. And so, I completely agree with you. And especially in the the transient nature of the restaurant business, where people are coming and going, you have to be able to put them into a system to be able to. Make Make them successful because a lot of the, the the workers are are less skilled when they start, and you're going to have to build their skills through the systems that you have. And the way I'm seeing it in my my head right now is like a, a three legged stool. I mean, these three things: culture, systems, and hiring. You really can't have one without the other because you're gonna you're gonna fall weak someplace, right? You need those three legs to hold the stool up. Um, and just to give you some resources, uh, we're going to move on to the fourth uh, thing you can start doing, but some resources you can look at to get going in the right direction. As far as culture goes, uh, like I mentioned, start with why Simon Sinek. Uh, another book I read recently, Nick Cirillo's A Slice of the Pie, and uh, Ari Weinswag has an incredible book, A Lapsed Anarchist's Approach to Building a Great Business. It's actually a series of books where he really helps with um, – giving his little short articles and essays on developing cultures and hiring people and all that like mission vision and why all those things are important. So, uh, and then lastly, the e-myth for, for systems, as far as systems goes, and to really learn more about systems, check out the e-myth. I think we can move on now to the fourth thing that you can do in your restaurant, uh, to really get ready for this spike in the wages, uh, which is training. So talk to me a little bit about training and why that's so important. So, Essentially, what you've done is, so you have the right people, you have the right people with the right heart, right? They have the energy, they have the drive. Now you need to make sure that these people can do the job to make sure that guest comes back for more. Getting that recurring guest is going to help drive sales and help make your brand successful. But something that's critical to keep in mind is that as you're hiring this new talent, You have to make sure you have the right talent. That comes with hiring the right people. But cross-training them that they can go and work in different areas of your restaurant should you be running a little bit slower during the day or maybe your bar slammed. Instead of hiring two bartenders, you hire a server that could also bartend. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's there's a bunch of different options that you can can do um, when it comes to training that's going to help make your 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 staff become more agile uh, to help stretch that labor budget to the max mm-hmm. yeah and I think I think if you were to look at some of the the highest customer service companies out there whether that be the Ritz Carlton or Disneyland or you know some of these other organizations out there the amount of money and time they invest in training their staff to do it right and you know you can look at some of the highest high dollar restaurants they get the right people but then they make sure that they understand what the expectations are and how they want to treat the guests you know even some of the some of the fine dining restaurants farm to table restaurants that they can tell you exactly where that salmon came from or exactly 
what, where these Brussels sprouts were grown. So they're training them on what exactly the preparation methods are, and, and they're delivering that guest experience. And if you were to walk into a restaurant and, hey, where is this from? And they, they tell themselves as a farm-to-table restaurant, and they can't tell you that stuff, it puts a bad taste in your mouth as, um, as a consumer. And so without that training, your staff is kind of left to, out there to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, one thing too, uh, and just, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, culture systems, people training, but if you don't have those three things, the, the right people on your team and the, the, the right culture to keep them on your team. And, um, you know, if, there's just so much that weighs on that because people don't realize that the cost of training. And when you have people high turnover and people are leaving because your culture's not right, um, training can get really expensive because you're constantly feeding people into these funnels. And it, it costs, it takes time, which is essentially it converts to money and uh, just the resources to constantly be training these people. So I think it's just, a, I want to clear that up real quick why those three precursors are so important. But yeah, as far as what you're saying with um, the importance of training, and one analogy I love. Uh, comes from the one minute manager, which is basically what how I see training is is it's painting the picture of excellence, like what excellence looks like. And you can't expect people to do their job well if they don't they aren't trained to to know what their job done well looks like. And then he uses the analogy of bowling. It's like imagine bowling and not being able to see the pins. Like that's what it's like to be somebody who's new and you just get a slap in the ass and you say, Go get him sucker. Um you're not gonna last long. You're gonna get discouraged. Any thoughts Very on much that? so. Very much so. I completely agree with you, and and uh, and ultimately, you're not going to get the. You know, you started with begin with the end in mind, and if your desire is to to deliver a high level guest experience, and if the staff members aren't trained to do that, um, it's you know you're not going to get the end result that you're looking for um, from your staff members. And so, one thing I do want to also throw out as it relates to training is there is a tool that's kind of focused on the restaurant industry, um, written actually by the hot schedules people called Skooks. Mm. Um, it's like school with an X at the end instead of an, an L and it's an online LMS platform. That's kind of focused on the restaurant industry to deliver content, um, from mobile devices and some of those kind of things. So if you're not familiar with it, I'd, you know, recommend at least looking at different LMS systems. There's some really expensive big ones out there. Scoops is a software as a service model that's subscription-based, so you can do it down to 25 staff members and have an online LMS system that, like I said, is focused on the restaurant industry, so it goes after that vertical, and, and so people are familiar with it. You know, Jeremy does bring up a good point. Automating that training does help streamline the process. Mm-hmm. So taking a look at some different avenues um, you know, Scoops is a great tool for restaurant owners, but you could go as simple as making YouTube videos or making a Facebook, a private Facebook group where you can get your employees in there and they can share tips and tricks uh, or training each other uh, that really will help not only create a good community within your uh, workplace environment, but it'll also help free up some of your time so that you can focus on running other aspects of the business. Absolutely. And um, on that topic of using technology as far as YouTube and Google, I mean, Google Drive and Google Docs is another great tool that's free where you can house all of your training, for, like whether they're documents or everything, and they're at the, they're accessible from anywhere. As, as long as you have a Gmail account, you can get access to these training videos, whether they're on, the, they're on YouTube or whether they're just documents or spreadsheets on Google Drive or Google Docs. 
So other great resources there too. Are there any other training resources you can think of, uh, new tools? Because you are the technology guy. So what else is out there as far as technology for training? Well, I think Ryan hits a, hits a nail on the head. I mean, there's more and more universities that are going to, um, you know, online learning. And so whether it be at Swole Lake Skooks or um, Wisetail or, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think, there's there's a half a dozen other ones. We have a product actually at Custom Business Solutions called Recipe Viewer that does online training of how to cut an onion to how to prepare a dish and how it's supposed to look. And so that's a tool that you guys can look up us and we can, we can talk to you about how we've seen it be implemented as well. Yeah. Some other things I've seen out there while doing the show, while talking to people, another one's called the weight trainer, uh, which is basically uh, a way for you to, it's a, it's a platform for you to house your training where they help you create videos and training uh, restaurant rock stars is a new one for uh, kind of, which is essentially just service training, uh, how to train your people around service and better service. And then the other one I found is I sell safe, which is serve safe training, food safety training. So, I mean, if you, if you go out there and I'll link to all these different things in the show notes, uh, these are all out there. These are all tools you can use to start systematizing your training procedures. All right. Labor and scheduling is number five, uh, labor management. Talk to us about why that's so important with your, you know, we're talking about the labor wage increase and it could be a wage increase, Today, from you know eight dollars an hour to nine dollars an hour, it could be all the way up to the fifteen that they're proposing. But if you don't know where your labor's at and how you're spending your labor and and you're right sizing it, um, you can over or under budget your labor and it, and it delivers bad guest experience because of it, um, and it costs you money. And so, for every dollar in addition that you spend in labor, it just exponentially gets worse if you're not managing it. And so. Um, getting a technology system that can tell you who's supposed to be in, when they're supposed to be in, who's the best staff person for the shift is, is huge. Um, so you have to make sure that you have it, even if it's without the labor wage increase. It's one of the most it's it's one of the two highest costs within the restaurant. Food costs and labor costs are almost always unequivocally the highest cost within the restaurant. So if you're not managing it, it'll manage itself. And so a lot of staff members, that's how they make their money is being on on shift. And they'll stay as long as they need to and spend that extra 15 minutes. And when you extrapolate it out at $15 an hour, 15 minutes a day, it comes out to thousands of dollars at the end of the year. 365 days in a year, exactly. It all adds up. And, um, I mean, it's not – I mean, talk about what some of these labor management and these scheduling tools can do today. Because people – I don't know if they know the extent to what – uh, some of these tools look, are capable of. So they're more than just spreadsheets today. I mean, they're more than just a way to improve communication. There's a lot of foresight that's involved and a lot of data collection that they're using and they're mining. And uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, so, I mean, a lot of them will take, and you can put your forecast in there like you just said, Eric, of how many servers do you need to fill the dining room to do this kind of sales volume? How many bartenders do you need to do this kind of sales volume? And what it'll do is it'll project out an average Tuesday for the last six Tuesdays for the hours of 1130 to 12 and tell you you should forecast to do this amount of sales based on your last six weeks or eight weeks or 10 weeks. And, and you can put holiday schedules in there. You can put weather schedules in there. You know, in California, we don't have weather, but where you're from, <laughs> um, you know, where you're from, there, there's you know, five minutes. bad weather days and good weather days. And so with that, you can put all of that stuff in there and it'll suggestively tell you, not only does it allow the staff to move shifts around and to help them communicate with each other, which is one of the banes of 
um, of a manager's existence is having to do shift changes, but also it'll suggest to you who's the best person to work this shift, mm -hmm. to work in these places. You don't have to work around school schedules because you put that in there. You know, vacation schedules, you put those things in there. So it knows that Ryan's supposed to be on vacation on this day. And then it tells you how many people should you have based on the forecasted sales for that day and for that hour or half hour or 15-minute increment to know how do you forecast out to make sure that you're right-sized staffed. Because understaffing or overstaffing is going to cost you money. Mm -hmm. So overstaffing is going to cost you money in just labor rates. Understaffing is going to cost you in the form of guest experience and return visits because if they're understaffed, they're not serving the guests properly and thus they're not going to want to come back because they had a bad experience. Awesome. Well, well explained. Yeah, I just don't think people realize how much communication is going on today between the different softwares that exist. And you can really, there's so much more because uh, it's like, you, you know, this industry is such an industry of margins. And wherever you can try to stretch those margins a little bit and with those forecasting and getting the just amount of people on schedule or, or knowing when to have them come in or knowing you know when you can anticipate them leaving all these little things that adds up over time so uh thank you for sharing that Do you guys wanted to add anything on to this topic number five labor scheduling and labor management tools are you know this this is still an evolving market um the ability for servers to communicate via an app um in their smartphone to management and each other is something that's being introduced as we speak. So this is something that's going to continue to evolve in the marketplace. Not only, you know, usually the multi-units get the most attention with the hot schedules and like products like that, but we're seeing StaffTap, a new product in the industry that um, enters it from the single unit operator standpoint. So it's going to evolve. It's going to change. It's got some good stuff coming down the pike. Yeah, and uh, just a couple other things. Jeremy, you were talking real fast that you might have hit on this, but in case you didn't, some things that labor management software can do can help you set uh, labor budgets and get better control over your actual labor costs. And the last thing I want to mention is it can also create more accurate schedules in less time. And time is so critical because, I mean, think about how much time it takes to go through a spreadsheet and to create a, a schedule. But now with when all that information is in one spot and you can – there's, I mean, this is the time alone where you can now take that time and say, focus on training, which we yeah, talked about. Yeah, or focus on guests or focus on exactly. lots of different things. I, I, I completely agree with you. And unfortunately, the way that most restaurants do scheduling, if they don't have an automated labor scheduler, is they do what they've always done. And it's like, well, it's always been this way. And, you know, when people will change their business, um, you know, business seasonally will go up or down or you'll get you know, some road construction that's going on out front and the, the sales go down or, you know, you become the hot spot in town and now your sales are going up, that the systems are going to automate that and tell you, hey, you know, you're looking like it's coming up on busy season. You probably need to do this. But it also historically, you you can go back and look at what you did on the Monday after Super Bowl and forecast the Monday after Super Bowl because you know it's going to be busier because everybody ate at home for the Super Bowl or whatever it might be. Yeah. These types of things allow you to do that because the data is there in your point of sale and in your scheduling software. It's one of the highest costs in your restaurant, mm -hmm. labor and food. Mm -hmm. The ROI is there. The mm -hmm. ROI will play itself out very, very quickly. So if you don't have a labor scheduling tool, it's something that we would suggest pricing out like right now. Yeah. <laughs> like and, uh, 
You're like, like pause, like pause the podcast, <laughs> and then come back and listen to what else we have to say. And on that note, I made a list of some of the most recommended uh, tools that have been mentioned on the show from our guest mentors. The number one, hands down, most recommended is Hot Schedules. Um, schedule flies right there behind them. When I work has been mentioned, and Zip Schedules has also been mentioned. Um, Hot Schedules is a sponsor. Wink, wink, nod, nod. So if you are interested, help a brother out. Use my links. Uh, thank you in advance. And uh, moving on, no more shameless plugs. The next topic is um, just technology in general. And there's so many different ways technology is being implemented and leveraged. And uh, to quote you, I think it was Gary during the the interview and Jim Collins, is that technology should be seen as an accelerator. Uh, Jim Collins is the author of Good to Great. And technology can really accelerate these processes and systems and really make them run way more efficiently. So what are some of the other types of technology that can help us make up the money in other places and to really close those gaps? Well, I think, um, I, I mean, I think Gary alluded to it, the, the advent of apps and, and being able to, to meet the consumer where they are. Um, and, you know, I don't, I'm not going to give the shameless plug. It, it'll be completely shameful. But, no, <laughs> we, we, wrote a, we wrote a tablet-based solution that goes at the table, and you guys have seen the advent of that at Applebee's and at Chili's and at some of these other large chains where they know, they see into the future and they see that guests, one, want to interact with these technologies, and two, it can drive some some better bottom lines to them. And so I don't think it's for everybody, but I think the ability to have guests be able to pay from their smartphone, be able to pay with Apple Pay, be able to pay when they want to pay. Um, you know, there was a full restaurant that doesn't even have any people in it up in the Bay Area that, oh, that yeah. you can go in, order on your phone, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it either in other shows or I know you've definitely read the article on it, is you can walk in and, and you know, you order your food on your smartphone, you go pick it up from a bin and, and don't even have to interact with anybody. Their labor cost is a lot lower than the person that has six people in line that, that touch that before mm-hmm. it gets to them. So that's really, really hard line, but I think looking at how you can – Implement technology, whether it be a smartphone, a kiosk, um, you know, Panera 2.0. There's lots of articles out there about Panera 2.0, and I just experienced it myself with a staff meeting I had where I ordered everything online. Everything was there at the front door before I even had to walk in and talk to anybody. I had paid for it. That allowed not to have to have a staff member take my payment because I already paid online. They they had my order ready with my name on, on the bag, and I just went in and picked it up and left. So that's an option for you to reduce some of those labor costs by taking technology and moving it online, moving it to a tablet, moving it to a smartphone, moving it to a kiosk, depending upon your brand that can help you reduce those labor costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else want to add something before? Yeah. The only thing that I would bring up, Eric, is the, the omni-channel ordering. And so it's a, it's a phrase um, from retail that is quickly finding its way into hospitality. And in our world, it is online ordering, point of sale, kiosk, guest facing capability, mobile capability. Mm-hmm. Those, are the, those are the five ways that a consumer is gonna want to purchase something from your establishment. Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, there's just so much, my head spins on this topic, I have to be honest, there's just so much going on out there, there's so many opportunities that these entrepreneurs every day are coming out with another way to to make the process simpler to make it more streamlined like you said all those different uh those different 
uh, channels to purchase. I mean, it's it's crazy, but they're out there, and it's it's your job as the owner or the manager to look at these resources and these options to uh, you know try to pinch pennies wherever possible. I mean, are there any specific recommendations you have or directions you want to send our, our listeners? Uh, to me, if you're not doing online ordering right this second, it's almost like Ryan said earlier. Pause the podcast after you get the hot schedule, or not hot schedule, but a labor scheduling program. Yeah. You have online ordering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's two uh, services I know that I work with and I, I recommend in the past. Is One is Web Diners, a great service, great platform. Uh, they have an option for online ordering if you go through them to build out your website. Another one's Restaurant Engines. Uh, they've been on the show as well. And another one that is really interesting is uh, that I've heard of is Orders to Me, which is it sounds it's like it's more of a, a plug-in. So if you are somebody who manages your own website, if you didn't outsource that and you want the ability to do ordering online, Mine, orders to me sounds like something that's almost treated like a plugin where you can just work it into your pre-existing website. Are you guys familiar with that? I, I'm not that product, but there's a bunch of products out there. E24 is another one that I think is partnered with Yelp. Yep. Um, and they, they do, you know, they do online ordering. Um, DoorDash is another one here in Southern California that we got a DoorDash, you know, you'd mentioned I had, had a kid and somebody sent us a DoorDash um, gift card so that we could order food and it had a bevy of restaurants that you could order from to, you know, there's lots of them that'll do either custom work into your point of sale or have it standalone. And so there's a, there's a multitude of different ways. The one thing I will would want to emphasize, though, is make sure that if you have online ordering, that it is also mobile capable. Google just announced last week that more search is coming from mobile than from the desktop for the first time ever. And so you have to make sure that your website is not only capable to run, but it needs to be mobile optimized so that people can get to it from their smartphone and their tablets because so much more of our browsing and our screen time is now spent in front of an iPhone or an Android mm-hmm. phone, you know, looking at it that way. Yeah. And I just want to add one thing. Uh, I mean, I'm one of these people that love this industry so much because of how high touch it is, because of how personal it is, that FaceTime with the guests. And if you're somebody like me who's passionate about that aspect of the industry, I mean, you can still implement technology with table side, like tablets, having the server use a tablet, having each server have their own individual tablet. I mean, you don't have to like just put a tablet on the table and eliminate that whole thing. And you'll still save money because of those table, you know, when you have people who have those tablets right there and it, the ordering process is easier, uh, you're not going to make as many mistakes because people aren't rushing as much because they all have those tools to get their job done as efficiently as possible. So, I mean, that's just one thing too, to think about, like you don't have to give up that face to face guest server experience. You mentioned it earlier. It's really a focus on revenue streams. So Mm -hmm. you're not taking away from one. You're just enhancing the overall. And and we had a customer do a time and motion study, and they said almost 20% of the time was spent back and forth to their point of sale terminal that was a fixed position terminal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the time that they would get distracted between the the experience with the guests and going back to the point of sale and back and forth and so you're right on with the fact that uh, that putting a tablet in in a server's hand is a great option if um, it fits your brand it doesn't fit everybody's brand but if it fits your brand I would highly recommend considering that as well mm-hmm. awesome uh, I think we're good to move on to number seven and that is four walls economics who wants to explain to our listeners what four wall economics is I mean four wall economics is really just uh, understanding what the additional revenue streams that can happen within the property that you have. Oftentimes rent is another high cost item for you. Mm-hmm. And so 
if you want to make more money, how do I generate more revenue per square foot of the space that I'm already paying for? Because most places aren't on percentage rent. And even if they are on a percentage rent, it's a very small percentage of your overall um, budget and of your overall revenue stream and profitability stream. And so how do I generate more revenue from within the same four walls? And a lot of that goes back to what Gary said with omni-channel ordering. This is how do I do catering? How do I do merchandising? How do I take my kitchen and produce food for a pop-up restaurant or produce food for a um, festival outside or how, or a concert service or you know many, many different areas that you can get creative with because your kitchen oftentimes has the ability to produce more food than you're producing for the dining room, one, two, three seatings for dinner service. And so how do I get that kitchen to produce more using the same real estate that I have. And so we call it, we, we coined the term four wall economics because you are going to probably pay the same amount of rent for the building. But if I can drive some more additional revenue outside of the four walls, then I need to look at those avenues as to how I could do it. Absolutely, Jeremy. I mean, the way I look at it is your your kitchen space, your equipment, all that space, your dining room, all that, those are all assets. And if you're done right, assets are meant to make you money. And there's so much time spent where those things are just sitting still, not making you any money. Um, there's one, I think, uh, um, Sarah Gavigan, I believe, she was a recent past guest, and she went into a space. She found a restaurant that was closed during the hours that she wanted to operate. So say... You, you find a restaurant that's open for dinner and all they do is a dinner service, work out a deal with them or have somebody work out a deal with you if they want to do breakfast. And then you can have them pay you for the, to use your space. And that's just a huge way to bring in some extra revenue right there alone. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I've seen restaurants that'll have the, the kitchen staff's there to prep early enough. They can do a catering service for breakfast for an office building one or two days a week. Mm-hmm. So you're delivering breakfast to a, a, a office you know, complex one or two days a week or lunch to an office complex that you've got a deal worked out with them. But the guys are in the in the building anyway. They just happen to make the food. Somebody else delivers it. Now you've driven some revenue on what would have been um, labor that would have been consumed doing just prep for that lunch service or that dinner service. Mm-hmm. And uh, are there any tools you can think of? This is something I'm really interested in uh, that you can – I mean, how easy is it to – the host merchandise on your website today. Uh, are there any plugins that you know of? Any people who are tackling this open market potentially, or maybe I'm just completely clueless. <laughs> um, it depends on if you. Obviously, you're hosting your own website. Yeah. There, if you if you host it on WordPress, there's so many plugins. Uh, personally, CBS uses CBS uses WooCommerce. Uh, to host our online shopping cart. I know that that's one of the more user-friendly. The fees are relatively low. You know what? Going to avenues like Facebook or turning turning to your social channels is another really good way to promote your merchandise. Uh, and to create a channel of communication with your customers to allow them to purchase your goods mm-hmm. um, without necessarily having to go through paying fees um, like that. You could also, uh, if you wanted to go really, really high, high tech, low tech, you know, not not super online store type deal, you know, you could set up a Venmo account or you could set up a, a quick pay account like that, that you could do uh, commerce with your customers that way too. Awesome. And, uh, 
almost ready to wrap up merchandising. Oh, another thing, it's it's easier than ever for cataloging, for, for sending your food out to different places in the country. I think it's called Gold Belly uh, is one. Is, does that ring a bell with you guys? Not familiar with that one. Um, again, we, we, we typically deal with the restaurant and, you know, the guests that are in the restaurant and they're catering and stuff like that. So yeah. not familiar with it, but I know there's a lot more people that are considering selling their food and being able to order it online, their food to be able to be shipped all over the country. And um, so I definitely have seen that pushing into our space as well. And that yeah. would with retailing, I mean, retailing is another way. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, again, we're in California, and so California Pizza Kitchen has for years been selling frozen pizzas into the supermarkets. And um, so taking your product and consumerizing it for other venues is huge. Cheesecake Factory is another client that's that sold cheesecakes in the, the Costco's, and, um, and I know the Kroger stores have been buying Cheesecake Factory cheesecakes for years. So yeah. um, things to think about, and I, I know those are large chains, and you typically will focus on some of the smaller restaurant groups. But, um, again, those are other revenue sources from the products that you already have or produce that you can make additional revenue on that, uh, that you need to think about. Yeah, and it is Gold Belly, by the way. I just did a quick Google search. It's Gold Belly. So essentially, if you're a restaurant who has a staple product that, and you've been in the community for a long time, and people will move away from you, but they just really want that cronut, or they really want that, you know, whatever, that lobster roll, whatever it is, wherever you're from, that you can only get from that region, you can now send your food to any place in the world. And I'm pretty, from what I hear, people are paying top dollar. So that's just another example of how you can get creative and use technology to get your food out in different revenues. So awesome. And I think we're about ready to wrap up. Um, the last thing we need to talk about is food costs and cutting costs on that front. So what is your advice there? Again, we talked about it. Ryan and I mentioned it earlier. Food costs, labor costs are two of your highest costs items. So if you're not managing your food costs, if you're not managing your purchasing costs, if you're not managing what's sitting on the shelf and what should you be using, you need to be. Um, it's always been an item. And whether you're using something as simple as an Excel spreadsheet or you're using Food Track or um, Restaurant Magic or C2It or some of these other really big products out there that do food costing, um, you have to be managing that stuff because if you don't, it manages itself and you'll have New York strips walking out the back door and you won't even know it. Now, what do you know about companies like Improvonia or soon to become Blue Cart or like Simple Order? where they're basically online ordering resources, so where you can do all of your ordering in one spot. Does that help cut down with costs there? It does, and, and it helps automate it. It's not a whole lot different than, than when, you talk about, um, when you talk about the labor scheduling programs. They can take what your sales data is oftentimes and do suggestive ordering on how many stakes should you be purchasing to put in the, in the walk-in. So a lot of these different solutions out there will show you order history, They'll show you, um, you know, uh, service history, how many of these items have you served, so how many should you have on the shelf, so you're not undersized or oversized. If you look at, um, you know, any of those expose shows that Gordon Ramsay has or, you know, lots of them out on television or on the Food Network or Cooking Channel or whatever, a lot of times what they always look at is, is what's sitting in your walk-in, is it fresh, is it, is it um, of high quality, and so knowing that. One other thing that I would say that you got to think about is, is what is your price fluctuation on some of those items? If you're not looking at price fluctuation, oftentimes the broadliners and the suppliers will change prices on you of a case of tomatoes, sometimes by 10, 15, 20 percent, mm-hmm. which is going to completely change your food cost to your customers. So if you're not thinking and looking at that, 
it's going to be something you need to consider. So Awesome stuff. And uh, Ryan, I'll let you take the floor for this next one. What, talk to us about Daydots and how that can uh, help out. <laughs> yeah, so essentially Daydots, it's a really, really simple, uh, can be very simple, can be more technological, I suppose. But, uh, you know, it's just really keeping track of your inventory mm-hmm. and knowing, uh, being able to do a really quick spot check to see what, how old something is in your freezer uh, or in your walk-in and uh, you know, sell those first, push those first, make those your, make those your daily special. Yeah. Something that's newer, and I really think that just ties into having those strong systems and processes, and using uh, new technologies. Or um, another another one, another labeling resource I know of is called Daymark, uh, and just really having those things to you know improve communication and all that stuff is all labeling is is just improving communication and implementing a system where everyone's on the same page, so you don't have to throw things away. Exactly. So, anything else before we wrap up today? I don't have, I, 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 do, I need to add something. You asked me about online ordering and I couldn't think about it. I couldn't think of it at the time. Uh, Shopify is probably the largest internet resource mm-hmm. for online ordering. They're far and away the, like everyone, mostly everyone uses Shopify. It's a, it's a big product. Uh, and also PayPal offers a free um, shopping cart tool that is really easy to implement and you can take PayPal payments right on your website. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. So if you want to, if you want to splice that in somehow, I don't know. No, we'll just throw it there at the end. No big deal. So, I think the biggest lesson to take away from today's episode is that you have some time, but don't wait. Start working today while you still have a foot ahead to start making the changes necessary to start cutting the costs wherever you can. Um, and you know, I think I, I love the Union Square Hospitality Group. I think they're one restaurant group. Uh, we can always look towards for leadership, and I think they're a shining example of taking action now to be prepared for the future because they just recently uh, changed their whole operating uh, – all their operations. They don't accept t- tips anymore, and they increased the prices of their menu items across the boards, all their restaurants, to eliminate tips, and I'm pretty sure that is because they're preparing for the future uh, the, to – you know, soften the blow, so to speak, for when the time comes, they're starting now. So what can you do to start now? Do you know anything about that? Read about it. Uh, understand it. Know that it's shaking up the industry from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it introduces an opportunity. The only way change comes is by people like them taking a swing at something that's way out of the box. Yeah, and if, if there's one thing I've learned through inter- interviewing successful restaurant professionals, these mentors, you look to these people, you listen to their advice. There's a reason why people like Danny Meyer are making these changes now. It's because these these changes are eminent, and they're they're making the adaptations they have to to be prepared. And I think we can all use them as a shining example of what we need to start doing to be there with them in the future when the time comes. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And uh, I think that's a great example of looking at the future and understanding it and taking bold steps to be able to help ensure that you're going to be around. Because if you don't, um, there's other people that are going to make these bold steps that are going to make you obsolete if you can't uh, adapt. 
Awesome. All right, guys. So this is episode 186. If you want to head over to the show notes, uh, just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 186. I'll have a summary of what we talked about today, including links to, man, I got my work cut out for me, all the different products and resources we spoke about today. So you can help, uh, you know, so you can find those things easily. And I'll also link back over to the restaurant technology guys and their new podcast. Congratulations, guys. Uh, do check out that episode before. Uh, if you want to hear more advice from the restaurant technology guys and future episodes to come, how often are you guys going to be producing? Right now we're uh, looking at about a once every two week schedule. Awesome. I'm pumped. And th- there needs to be more restaurant podcasts. So thank you guys for coming to the platform and helping spread great knowledge. Uh, I'm excited for you. So do check that out. Subscribe. And um, that's all I have. Well, thank you for giving us the opportunity, Eric, to, uh, to talk with you, and it's always great catching up and uh, talking restaurants because it's definitely something that we're all passionate about as well, and we want to see the restaurant industry grow, and hopefully we're, we're helping, people, uh, helping people along that path uh, you know, by just giving them some of, it, some of the advice and some of the things that we've learned from different people out there. Here, here. Cheers. Thank you guys so much. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. All right, so I hope you all have fun joining us this Thursday to discuss some of the things we can do in our restaurants to prepare for this, uh, what seems like an eminent uh, jack-in minimum wage as high as $15. So, I mean, yeah, it's intimidating. There's such little margins in this industry. Like, how can we prepare ourselves? And I think we kind of helped paint the picture of some of the things you can do. And I know we put a lot of emphasis on culture and hiring right and hiring the right people uh but i mean why is that so important and and i think we just really need to stress this before we sign off for the day and it's because labor costs are one of the highest expenses we deal with and if you can hire right and train right think about all the money you're going to save um, not investing all that time and energy you put into training new people. If you do it right the first time, if you get the right people in the first time and i'm not stupid i know it's not easy but you can do a better job by, like, like we mentioned, uh, establishing that cu- culture, giving people a reason to work for you, being a good person to work for, uh, hiring the right people, being really picky about who you let inside that culture, and then training them, giving them the, the tools so they can do their job to the best of their ability. And when people can do a good job and they know they're going, doing a good job, they will stick around longer. They won't get discouraged. They'll like their job. So, yeah, we put a lot of today's effort in discussion into that those three things uh culture hiring and people but it, it is such a big part of the big picture when it comes to labor costs and that's why there was a huge emphasis there and then we just shared a whole bunch of technologies you can use ways you can leverage technology to be an accelerator of your processes and your procedures and really what you're doing with these technologies like they said is you're closing the gaps you're eliminating the opportunities for money to escape when you when you operate more efficiently and more productively there's chance to make more money which can offset those uh higher expenses that are coming with the labor costs specifically in minimum wage so i hope you guys found uh today's discussion helpful we talked about a lot so don't worry everything that was mentioned in the sh- in the show can be found in the show notes head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 186 and like always i have to remind you if you you are finding value in these interviews and you are appreciating these interviews you can show your appreciation simply by 
leaving a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You can use my links. That way I can have evidence and proof to show people, hey, sponsor a restaurant Unstoppable because I will send people your way, uh, which really helps. And just spread the word. Tell people about this resource and how it's free and uh, connect with me, email me, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from, what mentors you want to get on the show, and I will do everything humanly possible to get them on. All right, guys, that is all I have today. Thank you again for joining us. Until next time, peace out.